Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. So at the beginning of Revelation chapter 1, it just sets the book into context. It said, a revealing of Jesus, the Messiah God gave to make it plain to his servants what it is about to happen. He published and delivered it by angel to his servant John. And John told everything he saw, God's word, the witness of Jesus Christ. So what are we being revealed about Jesus Christ in chapter 2? We're going to read chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. We are reading to the church at Smyrna. It's a great word, Smyrna. Glad I got this one and not your one row. It's a much, it's a much nicer word. So verse 8 of chapter 2. I'm going to read it from the message um, translation. You're going to get the NIV on the screen, but there's some of them that have now, this will be their third time of listening to me. So um, I'll just give them a different version to have a look at. Write this to Smyrna, to the angel of the church, the beginning and ending, the first and final one, the once dead and then come alive speaks. I can see your pain and poverty constant pain, dire poverty, but I also see your wealth, and I hear the lies in the claims of those who pretend to be good Jews, who in fact belong to Satan's crowd. Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing. Ten days. It won't last forever. Don't quit not even if it costs your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Christ conquerors are safe from devil death. Thank you. (laughs) Anybody else want to join in that? Christ conquerors are safe from devil death. Yes. But before we get to that bit, let's make sure we've learned the lessons from the rest of that passage. We're going to hold on to that, the final verse. But we need to learn the lessons from the bit before. So, those of you that have heard me before, you are excluded from the next question. Unless you've forgotten what I said. Can I get you to cast your mind back, or if you're still there, to school days? What was your least favorite day of the year? You can shout at me, everybody else. Exams. Yeah, anybody else? First day of term. Oh, going back after that, getting your head in gear. Anybody else? Richard, you're, you're pondering. You like school. I quite like school, yeah? Anybody else? Monday mornings. Monday mornings aren't good, are they? PE. Ugh. Do you know what? What about those of you that are at work? What is your least favorite day of the year at work? Monday. It's <laughs> a lot of them. Everybody's pondering, think, Joe, got any ideas? Well, you work for yourself, you won't experience this one. You have wonderful days all the time. Appraisals, thank you, Val. Appraisals, school reports. 
How did you feel when you used to have to take your report home? You okay? I mean, I, of course, was a straight-A student. <laughs> well, not quite. I, I very often now, so I have a 14-year-old, and um, I will find his report often a few days after it's come into the house. Um, generally, when I'm, I'm trying to get the washing off his bedroom floor, it will be sort of hidden. And it might not be till I read parent mail, because he goes to Bishop Wand, and um, they say, your child has brought the report home. Or you get that reminder on the nice computerized system that says, you have to sign to say that you've read this report. And I get the report, and he doesn't just get one report. He gets three a year. One used to be bad enough when we were at school, because you weren't sure what your parents would say. Charlie, how many do you have to write a year? Well, yeah, how, not for the same child. How many, how, yeah, so you have to write 30, how many times a year? Only once, you're in primary. Yeah, yeah. 30, a thousand word each. Oh, I think we need a round of applause. In fact, I think all, all teachers, all teachers deserve a round of applause. So this, what we're looking at today is the midterm school report, is the midterm church report for the church at Smyrna. Um, I looked it up. It's in Turkey. It's called Izmir, which is also a nice word. And I can say it with a dodgy accent, which is even better. So this is the midterm report. This is what Jesus is revealing to John. He's saying, write this letter down and send it to the church. I want to let them know how they're doing. This letter to Smyrna was one of seven letters to churches. And they're all different, but they have a structure in common. So I'm going to follow that structure this morning. But the good news about this report is that it is positive. This is one of the churches that is doing well. There's a bit of a sting coming in the tail, but we'll get to that in a minute. But this church is doing well. This church is to be encouraged so it's one of those school reports that you want to wave and say, look, mum, I've done it. But it's a bit of a change. So let's look at this one. So first of all, who wrote the report? So we've already said, we can have the next slide, Gethin, if it's working. Yeah. We've already said it's from Jesus because that's who wrote the book. That's who dictated the book to John. And Jesus says, well, I just want to make you sure you understand because the church at Smyrna, none of them would have, have likely to have seen Jesus. We're about 100 and 120 years after he died that this is being written. So everything that they've heard is secondhand or thirdhand. So he says, I want you to understand really who I am, who it is that's giving this report. Now, I don't know about you, but I take feedback from different people. If I'm doing a sermon, uh, Ron will give me feedback. It won't go to a thousand pages, thank a thousand words every time, thank goodness. Um, Ro gives me feedback, Jonathan will give me feedback, different people will give me feedback. If I'm at work and I'm running a training course, all the participants give me feedback. And, and Jonathan empathizes with me because you get those feedback forms at the end of the day and you read them through. And you go, oh, that person like that, oh, it's all good. And you, you're happy till you about get to number nine if we're lucky, don't we, Matt? Because we might have got to number one and it's a bad one. And this one is all negative. It's I don't like the coffee. 
the room was too hot, and absolutely nothing about the content of the course at all. And I make them put my, their names on my for, reports, and I look and go, oh, yeah, well, I'm not surprised. And every time I do it, I can almost guarantee this person will be the odd one out. So after a while, I stop looking. Yeah, Paul. No, it's never Paul. No, he never comes on my training courses. He avoids them. Sorry. <laughs> Just this disorder in the middle. I'm sorry. It's all, all these people I have to work. That's what I get every day, you know, this lot. But there are some people whose remarks are always so negative, so pernickety, that I just stop listening to what they have to say. Because if the coffee wasn't good enough, go and buy it somewhere else. If the window needed opening, go and do it. I want to know who really makes a difference. I want to know people who've got the expertise. I go to people like Jonathan, who, who trains in the stuff that I do, and say, you know, what can I have done differently? And I want to hear what he said. I want to hear from Ron when he tells me, oh, do you know, that theological point you made, I think that was a bit heretical. And I go, oh, I hope nobody noticed. Was, was it? Oh, dear. <laughs> I want to hear from the expert. And the person that wrote this report was the expert. And he lays out his criteria there, his expertise. First of all, he says, I was the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I have always been. So in the right way, I, I know everything. I've seen everything. I have experience, he says. And that's what I'm basing my report on. I am the first and the last. I am the one who was dead and who was alive. This letter is going to a persecuted church. And so it was important that the members of the church realize that the person that was writing these things about persecution knows what it means to be persecuted. He knows what it means to be put to death. But he says, but I know I can, you can overcome. It's because he has overcome. It's because he has the experience to it. So we've set our criteria. We've set those credentials. Who is this person writing and why should you listen to him? Next section. So after we've, I've looked at my son's report and I say, okay, who's writing? Which teacher am I reading from? Yeah, oh, yes, I like that one. Oh, I'm not sure about that one. I get on to the next section. The important bit. What do you see in my son? What are you telling me about this person? Section two, and the writer again here says, what I see in you. This is the report to the church. This is me, this is Jesus looking at them and saying, this is what I see. I see that materially you have nothing. I see that everything has been taken away from you. You are materially poor. This church, the members of the church, they'd lose their houses, their jobs, everything they had would be taken away from them. In the city they are in is the biggest, the most bustling city ever. But this church was poor. But the writer, Jesus, says, don't worry about that because I know spiritually you are rich. I know that you look to me. I know that you develop, that you worship, that you're part of this community. I know that you are faithful. 
I know that you have heavenly riches because your heart is right. I know that those people that are Jews are saying bad things about you. But you know what? I know that they have no right saying that because they are not proper Jews. Who do we listen to? My uh, mum once said to me, you do nothing but moan. I was 18 at the time, and I thought, oh, I don't think I'm like that. But it is sort of niggled in there. And I went away on holiday, and I came back a week later, and I walked through the front door, and she goes, do you know what your father's done now, and do you know what the weather's been like? And I'm thinking, hmm, why do I moan? Are we listening to people who have this negative approach? Are we listening to people that say, do you know, Ron, you mustn't wear jeans to church? Or you listen to the one that says, God, I don't, um, Ron, I don't care what you wear to church. It's your heart, as long as you wear something. It's your heart that matters to me. It's your heart that matters to me. It's why you're here that matters. Who are we listening to? We need to listen to Jesus, to the writer of this letter, and hear what he's saying to us, to that truth. So we know who the evaluator is. We know what he's saying to the church. We know that because it's written to the church, that final verse was like, those of you that have got ears, this applies to you too. So we know that Jesus is evaluating us. And we know that he is saying good things to us. He wants to be able to say to us, you might be materially rich, but you are spiritually poor. The other way around. Yes. Thank you. What Serena just said. I was listening to myself, and then I thought, no, that's not right. You are materially poor and spiritually rich. Thank you. See? Please wave at me. Yes, it's, it's a menopausal moment. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> what next? Number three. Assessments are coming, is what the next bit of the letter's about. So who am I, who are, who's, who's assessing me? what I think of you, and that next bit on the report, which we didn't have in our day, but the kids these days do, what are your predicted grades? Or what's, what challenges have you got coming in your life next? Exams are coming. Oh, yes. Something's going to happen. A test is going to happen to you. Now, I don't know that we always want to know that. We don't want that word of prophecy that says, do you know, you are going to suffer this week. We don't like that, do we? We want the word of prophecy that says, it's going to be amazing. We're going to meet Jesus and we're going to be in clouds. But in this way, Jesus is saying, I need to tell you what's going to happen. Because forewarned is forearmed. I run a training course that is four days long. And on day one, I go to the participants and I say to them, by the end of today, you are going to think that you cannot do what this course is going to equip you to do. You are going to hate me. You are not going to want to come back for day two. You are going to think it's awful. But I guarantee you, by the end of day two, you will be able to do this. And then day three and four, we're just tweaking. Every time I do that, I think, now, is it right? Do I want to depress them at the beginning of day one? But sometimes it's right. Because I want to say, it's normal for you to feel like this. 
But the 90 people that have gone through this course before you will tell you it'll be all right by the end of day two. I want to give them encouragement. I want to say, it's not just you. So Jesus is saying, you are going to be tested. But it's only for 10 days. You've only got that two-week exam window. Now, that wasn't quite 10 real days, but 10 days. It's for a fixed time. The end is going to come. Exams, when used for the right means, help a teacher understand in what way they have got to develop their students more. It's not about testing. It's not about proving. It's about the teacher understanding. Those midterm tests are about understand, the teacher understanding what does this person need to learn better. And these exams are about us being tested. And they're about us being refined and developed. Without them, we are the poorer. Without the times of testings that come, we can't develop the fruit of the Spirit. If we only ever have easy times, we don't know what to do when it gets bad, because at some point it will get bad. We are going to face assessments, but the end will come. So, what do they need to do? Our teachers being very helpful and telling us, exams are coming, it's going to be 10 days, and I'm going to prepare you for exams. So tomorrow evening, I have to go to school. Um, I have to go to school because my son is in year nine, and he's got exams this year for the first time. Not just assessment, but proper exams. And I have to go as a parent to learn how to help him revise. How do you think that's going to go down? Did any of us ever listen to our parents? No. The fact that I've got a master's degree, that I help other people learn, I mean, he's still not going to listen to me. It's okay. I'll go, I'll learn the lessons, and then I'll send him to somebody he will listen to, like Nisha, or Ricks, or Ron, even. I'll tell them what he needs to know, and I'll use them as my messengers. Because in order for us to get through this time of testing, we have to be prepared. And Jesus is writing to the church and saying, in order to get through this, this is what you need to do. You need to fix your eyes on me. Nothing else matters. Just fix your eyes on me. That verse from Hebrews. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Reading a book yesterday, they say that our view of God is our personal view. And too often our view of what God can or can't do is based on what we think about ourselves. In order to really understand God, we have to focus on Jesus. We have to look and see what he can do and not focus on what we can do. We've got to spend time in prayer. We've got to come together and pray. We've got to spend time focusing on Jesus. We've got to spend time in the Word. We're nearly at the end of the Old Testament if we're doing the book together. I'm encouraged by that. By the end of May, we will have finished the Old Testament. We've persevered. We've persevered through the killing and everything else, and we're going to get on to the New Testament that we've all been looking forward to. 
We have to learn who Jesus is. We have to read the word. We have to study it. We have to experience the spirit. We spent a really nice half hour of quiet, reflective time in the Holy Spirit growth group. Now, I never thought I'd say that about a group that Kim and Ro were running, that it was quiet and reflective. I didn't. It's not your normal style. But it was amazing. We sat there and soaked in the presence of the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit comes as a roar, and sometimes it comes as a whisper. And you've got to make time to do that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. My son will pass his exams if he continually revises, if he goes back to the books and doesn't get distracted by YouTube and everything else. He has to focus on God. And if you do, you're going to get the victor's crown. This is what you will get. And it's not that puny victor's crown they used to give to race winners, which was leaves and which could decay and fall apart. This is a golden crown. This is the crown of kings, but without the responsibility, just the joy. This is the crown of a bride on her wedding day as we come as the bride of Christ. If you keep on going, you will be the victor. That is the message. If you keep on persevering, if on your um, report you get an A grade or a 9, depending on which grading system you're on, for effort... For perseverance, you will get that crown. So the message for us all is this. You wear the victor's crown. We have just sung. We've just sung that amazing song about Jesus being alive, about him being risen. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is risen, he is alive. And we are there with him wearing that crown. There's no lesser people in the kingdom of God. That final verse is, if you fix your eyes, then you will overcome, you will win the race, you will be there. The good news is there are enough crowns for all of us. When I was at school, I knew I would never be number one because I might have been good, but I wasn't amazing. And I would always think Sarah Benison, oh, she was amazing. She was a lovely person, but she was amazing. She would always get number one spot, and I would never get it. And even now I'll go, oh, Ron's a much better preacher than me. I'll never be the favorite preacher. I'm never going to be as good at running. Well, actually, I've never been good at running, but I would mark myself against other people the entire time. But, you know, this message really says it's not about how we compare to other people. This message is about you. This message is about the potential for all of you. But all you need to do is focus on Jesus. And if you've never heard that message that you can come, and that Jesus will love you as much as he loves everybody else. That you have as much potential as everybody else. You need to respond to that. You need to believe that you can achieve that victor's crown. 
And if you've been on the road a while, and you think, well, I, I, you know, I'm okay. I read my Bible every now and then. Maybe the time is just to take up training a bit more. Because you're going to be graded according to effort and perseverance. The testimonies we had this morning were about persevering. It wasn't I was healed on day one. It was we did it a number of times and then it happened. Have you taken your eyes off Jesus a bit? Have you started focusing on the people around you instead of on him? Have you thought it doesn't really matter? Have you thought, I'll come to the second service because there's more people and I can hide? God can single you out right where you are. And he wants to have that relationship with you. Ron's going to lead us in a time of response. But just think, am I? Do I really believe that I can believe, can receive that crown? And are you going to get A for effort? For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk. Okay.